Well, 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 fancy seeing you here when it's time for another 99th episode, which is coming up right now. So good morning, Sean at Bad Deacon. Ah, good morning, Paul at Who's Paul. There we go. Introductions out of the way. Quick to the point. Yeah. Welcome to uh, another episode of our lovely chit chat session. I'm surprised people listen to this, uh, and I've been getting more comments from people that are like catching up on past episodes or something, and you know, commenting on something that we talked about. And I'm always just like, it just it dumbfounds me that 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 you know, people listen to. I guess podcasts in general, but <laughs> ours particularly because we're just here to have fun. What's more fun to listen to than two guys having a wild, crazy time talking about manga and other <laughs> useless things? Yeah. So let's talk about going to Target to buy GI Joes again. Oh man! <laughs> Though I did, I I have a happy story with that one again. I got yeah, my you finally GI found Joe. One, right? I won't tell the yeah, whole story. Which, which guy was it? Major Blood. Yeah, he is a good-looking one too. He had some real uh, character to his face. You know, sometimes these figures, like you, you seek them out and seek them out, and then you finally get them. And you're like, this isn't actually as cool as I had built it up to be in my mind. Uh-huh. For example, AEW Wrestling has a line of figures. They're very hard to find. Uh, I think they only carry them at Walmart, as far as like you know, big stores, and they're pretty much always sold out. The other day, I was in Walmart, and they had a few. And I'm not particularly looking to buy them, but it's one of those things I always look to see if they have them, just because I want to see them. And they had a few, and I was looking, I was like, these are cool. I don't want to buy them. And it's like I hung them up on the, they, they were all like down in a pile, like somebody was pawing through them. I was like, I'm going to hang them up, and somebody's going to see these and be happy, and that makes me happy. Cool. Yeah, yeah. This is one where Major Blood was never really one of my favorite G.I. Joe characters. As a youngin, Major Blood wasn't one that I played with or really cared for. And as I was collecting Modern Joes, he's kind of a, a figure I got just because, well, he's another one that I got to get, but not because I'm really excited about Major Blood. I've never been excited about Major Blood, but this is the first Major Blood figure where I look at it and think, wow, that is a good looking figure. I really like this guy. I, I appreciate the uh, the spelling, like Major Blood sounds so cool, but we can't just have it be the word blood. So how do we spell blood like a name? <laughs> B-L-U-D-D, Major Blood. But they make him look bloody. What's he's a pretty cool figure. Yeah, he he is cool. One thing I wish these six inch figures had was like the file cards, because one yeah. of the great quirks about Major Blood is that he was a terrible poet. <laughs> like in the <laughs> is as designed by, uh, uh, Hama. Yeah, man, I can't believe I blinked out on that. Larry Hama is like the the creator number one for G.I. Joe, <laughs> and, and I just blanked on his name. But yeah, uh, Larry Hama created him as this rhyming, awful poet in addition to being a mercenary, <laughs> which is just a really fun quirk That's awesome. to Major Blood. One of the disappointing things about the like the nicer action figures is how often they're just lacking extra details in the packaging it's like okay look at this highly detailed figure but we're not even going to tell you who it is like you know the, the box is plain gray it's like it's a step away from that you know they don't put anything extra in i had gotten a, a really cool krang figure that's like from the cartoon with you know the the krang inside the the like the android body or whatever uh-huh. there's some assembly required 
no directions. It doesn't what? tell you how to because you actually have to take the figure the figure apart in half to get the crane inside of the the android body. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't tell you how to do it. So I went to YouTube and found a video. And the thing, like, I'm glad I did because one, I figured out how to do it. But two, the guy that was showing how to do it broke his doing it. And he's a guy that, like, he regularly buys these. I have no idea who he is or whatever, but just, like, you know, contextually I could tell that. So I'm like, that's pretty disappointing when, you know, NECA, who is, like, known for the, you know, not the $10 action figures or the, you know, more expensive, more detailed ones, put some freaking directions in there, man. Seriously. Yeah. And like you said, like, the the file card for the G.I. Joes, uh, there's all these accessories with the Krang thing, and... No, no description as to what they are. So some of the things I literally didn't know. And the video I watched actually showed me what some of the things were. And there were some things that the guy in the video didn't recognize what they were that I knew just off the top of my head. So, so like, it's a little disappointing that they can't just, like, you know, f- include a little bit yeah. more detail when you're charging that much for action figures. Uh, you know, to just... It's like you buy a CD. You hate it when you buy a CD and it's, like, the crappy liner notes that's literally just, like, one folded piece of paper. Yeah, that has there's no lyrics or anything. Yeah. Yeah, then you buy like the Radiohead CD, and it's like a twenty-page booklet with like, um, like cello inlays and like all kinds of crazy artistic quality to the book. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's why I buy Radiohead. So I saw a really cool custom action figure. I'm texting it to you right now. It's based off of Mythic Legions, which is I've shown you some of my Mythic Legions. It's just a, a fantasy toy line with a lot of really cool detail, and it's a Krang homage figure built out of a giant and like a cthulhu head yeah that's super cool yeah it's (laughs) it looks so great i I just it was one of those where i just hadn't even considered that as a concept and then i saw that custom figure and was just blown away by it it looks really cool that is cool. You know, I love I love doing things like that. Like I, you've seen the commission I've shown you that I, I did. That was uh, I wanted to do a nicer Ninja Turtle commission from a, a friend of mine who's a comic artist um, who's done like a bunch of Star Trek stuff for IDW and stuff like that. And so, like, I was thinking it out, and for a while I was stuck on it. Was when they were doing the Batman TMNT crossover, so I was thinking of doing. I uh, like the broken bat, but with like Rocksteady breaking Batman. Mm, mm-hmm. But I was like, I kept on, I kept on holding up on it because like that's cool. But like, I kind of didn't really want Batman. In it. Like at first I did, but after a while I was like, I'm, I'm not that hot on Batman. So like, I, I don't want to do this mix up thing because it's interesting, and then you know later be like, eh, Batman's in there, you know. So, um, but th- that was then like while I'm still formulating this idea because I was thinking about it for a long time. Uh, they had the issue of TMNT where Bebop and Rocksteady kill, in finger quotes, Donatello. And um, they beat him and broke his shell. So, like, you break a turtle shell, you you know, they're going to die. And then, of course, you know, hijinks happen and they save him um, by transferring him into a, a robot body until they can heal his body. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sounds uh, like, like comics to me. <laughs> 70 issues ago, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyways, like, I was like, oh, perfect. So I did, you know, Rocksteady breaking Donatello's back. But it's it's an homage to that cover, and J.K. Woodward did a great job of it. Um, so I actually like went and sought out the broken bat cover with Bane breaking Batman, so I could like have the the reference and everything. Uh-huh. And it was really cool because this was a couple few years ago now, and I showed it to my son. You know, my son's always been interested in like whatever I put up on my walls, and then I showed him, look, like this is done as an homage to this. 
and I showed him that. So he went and drew his own picture of um of Cheetah breaking Wonder Woman's back. Oh wow, cool. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was it was kind of cool seeing him do that, like get the idea of an homage, and he went and did it with his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that that's a really cool figure, and I've done pretty good about the whole not getting addicted to action figures when there's cool stuff out there. But it it is nice having a little like uh, smattering of stuff. So it's like I, I kind of like open the doors with pops. If there's a pop of something I really want, I'll just go ahead and get it. Like I'm not going to spend like the crazy amounts on pops or anything like at the, the limited ones. Like I was in Target the other day and stumbled across a splinter pop. It's like, oh, well, that's no brainer. Buy that, you know, mm-hmm. with action figures like I'm I still have a couple of G.I. Joe's I got. I have a couple of Ninja Turtle ones. I think I actually got them all in a box right now because I still haven't act, like resettled my office from rearranging everything. But I or, I pre-ordered a couple for my birthday that are gonna I paid for them already, but they're gonna like actually come out in July. Um, and there I mentioned AEW. They're AEW figures. This is the second release of this tag team. These two different wrestlers, uh, uh, Pentagon Junior. and Ray Phoenix. And Pentagon Junior. is the freaking coolest. Like he's a you know they're both like uh, Mexican wrestlers. They're luchadors. They both wear masks. But Pentagon had like not only does he wear a mask. He has his face painted, so his face is painted like on a Day of the Dead skull type. Oh yeah, I'm looking. And then he has a mask over it. Man, he is just like his gear is always awesome. He has so much detail to it. He has like so much character too. So I I greatly like both of these wrestlers, but I wouldn't even say they're like my two you know two of my top top favorites. Like I have others that are like you know bigger favorites than than these two, but the figures are so cool. And they're both really good, too. So it's not even just, like, cool figures, but, like, lame, you know, performers or anything like that. Like, it's just all around a good thing. So I ordered those for my birthday. This guy looks like he is straight out of a black metal album cover. Like, I expect to see him in in the woods of Finland with a axe the size of that he is or something like that (laughs) (laughs) yeah to to be on the cover of his new black metal album yeah he's awesome and his like so one of his you know like wrestlers will have like taunts or gestures they do and his is uh he goes cero miedo no fear um and the way he does it like he does a zero with his hands then he turns his hand upside down like still with the zero held there so it's like the three fingers are an m Mm mm-hmm and George Kittle, the 49ers tight end, who's my favorite football player, that's his uh, celebration whenever he gets, like, a first down or something like that. So it's really cool because, like, world's tying together, you know? Like, I love George Kittle, and then, like, he's doing that because he's friends with Pentagon. And, yeah, so anyways, it all kind of... It adds... All those details add to the flavor, right? Cool. Yeah. Definitely. And Ray Phoenix is freaking amazing. You should, uh, you should watch him wrestle sometime. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not interested in wrestling. <laughs> I yeah. think, you know, it's just, I don't know. There's something about it. I just, it, I, I haven't been able to find any interest in it since I was like 11 years old. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You should still watch uh, Ray Phoenix wrestle so you know what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm watching we'll Neon Genesis Evangelion because of you. Okay. So, yes, Neon Genesis Evangelion is awesome. How far into it are you? Uh, I'm only on episode like four. I got okay. started with it, but then with school and everything, it's been hard to uh, to keep going with it. And then, like, basically, school started, had a death in the family, 
they're just like even when I had time, like I didn't have the focus to actually do anything purposefully. Uh-huh. So I just kind of let it sit there. I do want to get rolling on it though, because the whole reason I'm watching it is my son somehow accidentally reactivated our Netflix account. Oh. <laughs> and so since I paid for it, I'm like, well, I want to use it for something. So I'm trying to get through the series before the month is up and I'll probably turn Netflix off again, at least for the time being. Cause yeah, I got plenty of other stuff I can do. I don't need to, you know, pay money for another service just because. Yeah, gotcha. But I, I'm enjoying it, and it's it's been interesting because I'm definitely watching it because you recommended it, mm-hmm. and it's it's good to have recommendations that you know people are passionate about because if something doesn't resonate with you, you look for what's in it. You know, it's like when I start watching this, like there's interesting things about it, but. Like, I'm not typically drawn to animation. Um, Like, all the kind of cliche things about anime and stuff like that are... Like, I have to be able to get past those things because they're just kind of, you know, part of the tools that they use to do what they do. Yeah. But I I have no... Like, I haven't built that up at all. So, like, I I talked about this when I started reading manga. The two biggest recommendations you get are Akira and Ghost in the Shell. And I'm pretty confident that if I would have just tried to read Akira and or Ghost in the Shell... I would have read it, got kind of bored because it's not that it's bad, but I like I know that I I have to be in the right place for like those types of stories, and they're big stories too, especially like Akira, you know, keeps going and going. But um, I, I probably would have tapered off, and because I got a lot of recommendations, I actually started with some of the ones that because um, I did this whole like you know Twitter poll tournament thing with them. The more I started yeah. with some of the ones that lost the quickest. Because the way people talked about them piqued my interest. And those are some of the ones that, like, it got me interested in checking out more uh, manga because they were unique and different and, and interesting to me. And it wasn't, you know, all the cliche stuff and then having to dig into, you know, I mean, the cliche stuff is cliche because it's impactful and it, it influences everything. You're interested in the indie film of manga, not the blockbuster of manga. Kind of, yeah. I mean, in, in like, with that point, like, I would be more likely to to connect with the indie film. The blockbuster, I have to understand more about what I'm watching. You know, like, I, I enjoy watching Marvel movies because I'm more invested in Marvel as a whole. I know more of the in-depth things. So it adds more layers to what I'm watching. And then I also, I just like the presentation of the MCU compared to other superhero movies. It's, you know... Not everything has to be like as heavy as possible. Like it's it's fun to watch those movies. Like even if you don't know exactly what's what, but then some of them, like you know, Doctor Strange, for example, I'm less interested in that. Like I've watched it, but I was less interested and less engaged because I don't know Doctor Strange as well. And you know, but I still was able to watch it. Whereas like with the DC movies, I'm not very invested in DC characters. The feel of the movies doesn't resonate the same way with me. And then some people are the exact opposite. You know, the feel of the DC movies resonates more, so it's easier for them to engage with it. Mm-hmm. So with watching, uh, you know, like you said, like the, you know, the blockbusters of manga um, or of anime, if I'm watching it and I know more about why somebody is recommending it to me, then I'm able to look for those things and get into it more. Gotcha. So I started, uh, I, I, I've hardly ever watched anime other than, you know, Studio Ghibli stuff, which, you know, isn't really the same thing. And 
one night, it was actually after I got my second COVID shot, and I was a I was a wreck the day after I got my shot. And by that night, I was still feeling crappy, but I had like had that um you know the the break of the horrible horrible symptoms. Mm-hmm. But I had been sleeping all day, so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna get to sleep anytime soon tonight. And I so I had to have something to do, but I didn't want to like try to dig into like a show I was seriously trying to watch or anything. So I was like, I'm, I'm gonna finally check out some anime. And there is a ton of anime on Hulu and Netflix and, like, everywhere now. And I, I also noticed that, like, Hulu and Netflix, like, heavily overlap on what they have. Um, part of the reason I don't need to keep Netflix after watching uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. But So I was just like, I don't really know what to watch. So I, I watched some My Hero Academia because another friend talked about it some. And it was fun, you know? It was that uh, kind of like uh, talking, you know, like, if you're looking at manga, like, the difference between reading Shonen Jump, the stuff that's, like, published all the time and, you know, is popular and easy to access compared to the stuff that really draws me in, like, um, you know, 20th Century Boys. I love that. Some of uh, Urasawa's other books, like, illustrate the point well. Because, like, Pluto was one that I started reading, and it's really good. And several of the volumes, you can't find them right now. So, like, if I want to buy volume one, it's $100 for it. Ooh, Somebody geez. selling a copy of it because it's not, it's not available in print right now. Okay. So I bought all the copies I could. There's a couple I don't have, and I'm going to wait until, you know, fingers crossed they reprint them. But so it's kind of like that, like uh, My Hero Academia watching the the anime. It's fun, but it doesn't have that, like, deeper connection level. Neon Genesis, I think, has... It still has some of the, kind of, like, the anime tropes that are, like, what made me resistant to watching anime. But there's... Um, I've engaged with enough other things to be interested in some of the other, you know, kind of sci-fi details and character details and stuff like that. So I'm definitely enjoying it. Yeah. Evangelion is a weird one in that it is wildly popular or was wildly popular, I think, when it came out. It was probably one of the biggest, most popular animes of the era that it's from, which is, I think, kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, something like around that era. Mm-hmm. But it also ends up being quite different from anything that you would expect from anime because it, on a surface, it seems like it's about kids that have to pilot gigantic robots to save the world from monsters. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I, I guess typically, you know, that's that's what it looks like the show is, especially from the first couple episodes or so. As it goes, though, it gets weirder and weirder and more and more of a character story and digs more into what's going on with these people and eventually it gets into a lot of well what's actually why are the angels attacking the the monsters in evangelion are called angels and Mm -hmm. so why are they actually attacking what are they trying to do and what is the secret organizations inside of secret organizations trying to do as a countermeasure to it. And what is the hidden meaning behind all of that is, is kind of, that's what I really like about it is all of this stuff is what's really going on. And so the kids that have to pilot giant robots to fight monsters is just kind of a framework to tell this other story about these all kind of, damaged people who are damaged in their own way or wounded in their own way and how they both do and don't get past their own internal struggles and problems and uh, that's why I really like it 
I, I think one thing that's really telling is fans were so angry at the end of the show at how it ended that they uh, they ended up making a couple movies that essentially retell the ending and in some ways counteract it. It's almost like an alternate reality. Um, <laughs> uh, I, they have at least one of those on Netflix. Uh, every time I go on Netflix now, that's like the thing that's like previewing because that's all I've been watching. So it's like, look at this other thing. The end know? of Evangelion, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the way that the show ends is awesome. It's great. It's so unique and just really transcends the typical manga story in really interesting ways. And I thought it was just really fantastic. When I first watched it, I was kind of like, what the heck? What did I just watch? This is not what I expected. And it was really weird. But the more I thought about it and the more I sat with it, the more I realized wow, that's really cool. It kind of is one of those endings where it shows you uh, this whole show hasn't been about giant robots fighting monsters. It's actually been about this other thing, about uh, the what these characters are going through. And that's why I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it all. I get... Even though I haven't been watching it, it's been on my mind that it's like I want to get to that so I don't let the opportunity pass me by. But yeah, I've been enjoying that. And then um, the other thing that I've been enjoying that I, I think we might want to chit-chat a bit about. I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't talked more about this since they've started coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we kind of needed to get a little bit of uh, material to talk about. But Bad Idea Comics. Yeah, uh, the Bad Idea Comic Books. So what do we got so far? We got three issues of ENIAC, so yep. one, one issue left in that series. We got the first issue of Tankers. We got uh, Hank Howard, Pizza Detective. Uh, and we got uh, Walesville X, Rocks and Minerals. Yep. Mm-hmm. Am I forgetting one? No, you're not forgetting one. Unless you count the Hero Trade, which doesn't really count. because that's, Yeah, no. Yeah. But then that's an interesting aspect is the hero trade stories that are backup stories in the other issues. And there's some of the other backup stories. That's that's a detail to talk about. Yeah. Um, so it's been interesting kind of giving this a chance. Like it was exciting getting the first ones. You know, I, I shared with you that getting the first – I basically set up to get the first like three comics from them from a certain shop that uh, – didn't do a really good job with communication, so it was really frustrating. And I did eventually get them. Like, everything worked out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of to, to illustrate how all that works is uh, I never even told them that I was going to stop getting comics from them. It was supposed to be an ongoing thing. Haven't heard a word from them since I got that first order. Mm. So I'm definitely glad that I set up another way because it's just like if it was having to deal with that frustration to get these, I would already be out. So did you not have to prepay? For all of ENIAC when you got it? No, no. I prepaid for the first one, and then everything else was like I would get charged when they when it came out and when they shipped. So like they only shipped to me one time okay. to you know kind of converse can conserve on shipping costs some. But yeah, with them they were you know, I good good on them to, you know, try to help other people that are out of the area, but I just don't think that they were really you know, that's they don't their, seem like they're they familiar do, yeah. with doing that. Yes, they, they didn't really do it very smoothly. So that's why I'm also not going to mention the shop because, you know, not their strong suit, but, you know, they've... But otherwise, whatever, a cool shop. Help, help me, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good shop. Um, so I, when I was frustrated with that, I knew I wanted to, if I was going to continue getting these, I needed it to be a way that was easier to do with less effort on my part. Like I needed to do it from a comic shop that could sustain it. And I was about to just give up. Like I wasn't even looking for anywhere else, but then somebody else we know who wasn't even going to try because they were frustrated by the situation found a shop that made it easy. Um, I don't know if they did it, if it was recommended to them from somebody else or what, but so I had sent them a message. They told me what the shop was and things from another world. They have a very good online store presence. Uh, but then there was some gap. So another friend recommended uh, third eye comics to get the ones that would kind of fell in between, which was, Hank Howard, and I think it was ENIAC 3 uh, were the two that kind of fell in between what I could order from things from another world and what I had already, you know, set up to get. Mm -hmm. So I got that all set up. I got my books from Third Eye Comics, and I got my first order, which was Walesville, from things from another world. And it's all working out pretty well as far as getting it set up. Like, it's definitely more expensive than being able to go, just go to the shop and get it because you're paying for shipping. But with ordering from things from another world, I think pre-ordering, I, I want to say I get 20 or 30% off. I think it's 20% off. So, like, Walesville is a $10 comic because it's a it's a plus-size comic. Uh, so I got it for $8, but then I paid 5 bucks for shipping. So I ended up spending an extra $3 to get it than if I was able to just go get it from my shop. But, you know, that's that's an, uh, probably a rare circumstance where I only get one thing in an order because I have it set up for monthly shipping. And there's a few other things I'm getting. So, like, over time, like, it's going to be rare that I get an order that's just one book like that. So, like, the, the cost will be deferred, right? Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, it's like, that's kind of set up. So, now it's really a, a matter of, um, you know, if I continue, do I like the comics or not enough to spend the money on them, basically? You know, and it especially with a little bit of a plus charge with paying for the shipping. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I get a little frustrated by and with bad ideas, so much of the conversation seems to be about the distribution methods and how to get the books and stuff like that. That to me is a kind of the the least interesting part of it because yeah. the conversation also also resolves around well, me, 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 why can't I get the comic books I want? And it, it never resolve, revolves around, well, this is really interesting what they're doing. <laughs> and I think that their distribution method is is kind of cool. Like looking at it in terms of the product that they're creating and why they're creating it that way, I think is is really nice. Like they're basically going outside of the normal route of distributing comic books and making up their own rules and is just kind of like what could you do if you decided that none of the standard rules like i'm not going to follow any of the standard rules i'm going to do what makes most sense to us and what we want to do and that's how i think that they arrived at, at bad idea and that i think is what's interesting about it is just how they are making up their own rules throwing old rules to the wayside and just deciding, hey, what what do we think makes the, is the best way to do this based on what we want to create and what we want to do? And that is really fantastic. And it, that seems to get lost in the conversation about, oh, this isn't consumer friendly. It's hard for me to get these comic books. And 
that's, I, I guess, one thing that I'm always uh, a little disappointed in. But I think that comic book fans are trained to be very comic book fan focused. I'll give you my viewpoint on that. Um, number one, I think as far as them choosing to distribute this way, fine. Like I, I that doesn't bother me at all. If it, if I wasn't able to get it, okay, I can't get it. You know, like you know, it, it is what it is. No big deal. Like I've read all these comics, and if I hadn't read these, I wouldn't be. You know, like it wouldn't be changing my world or anything. So um, they're good, but it's not like it's a you know life critical thing or anything. So as far as just, you know, okay, they're distributing in a different way. It makes it difficult. I, I don't care. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. I think it's interesting what they're doing. I think that at the very least, they're they're showing that you don't have to be forced to do things a certain way. Like, the whole comic industry, just, you know, even what little I know of it without, you know, having any real connections or anything or, you know, it's, it's screwed up. Like, it's a bad... It's almost like a pyramid scheme or something like the the pressure is all backwards with you know how to make it successful and you see a lot of shops handle stuff differently and i think the shops that handle stuff really well and protect themselves and you know create a good experience for their customers like it those are shops that do things really well but there's a lot of shops that either don't know how to really manage this stuff well or you know don't know how to manage customers well i think it was andy parks on twitter uh was tweeted something about one of his first experiences like 30 years ago and i responded to it and then somebody else responded to me about some of our experiences with comic shops like man some comic shops do everything they can to ruin their business with how they treat people but anyway so that, that's kind of tangential to the point of bad idea doing stuff differently shows publishers that they could do stuff differently yeah so it doesn't all have to be tied down to this is the only way to do it and like you're trying to eke out a survival or you're trying to like struggle to take some market share by doing every trick you can I mean, essentially, they're doing different tricks, but if this is very different than when the same people were running Valiant. Now it feels a lot more like we want to make the comics we want to make, and we're going to pull back from all the things we were doing to try to push sales and do it in a different way and do it in a way that allows us to control enough that we can sustain it is what I take away from it. What it seemed like to me with with valiant they were trying to come into this as and be a major player from the get-go and trying Mm -hmm. to play by the major player rules to kind of uh in the sense you know fake it till you make it you you know you've you've heard that idea where it's like you you play by all the the major player rules and with the hope that it will eventually you'll just be one of the major players as a result i think that bad idea that this is coming around it's basically saying hey we know we're small and we know we're starting out small and we know we're not going to be a major player we're just doing these small art house kind of books and so we're not going to pretend to be anything differently we're not going to pretend to play by the rules of the major players because we're not trying to be a major player right now we're just doing small stuff because that's really what we know that we are right now. So let's just be that and be that really well. And yeah, I think that that's pretty interesting. So here's my viewpoint on the whole, like why the conversation keeps on being stuck on the distribution. I think this is their fault and not their fault because they're choosing this distribution, but because of how they approach it because of the distribution, people who want to buy the comics are frustrated. Like that's not to be, you know, not like that's an expected thing. You know, you make it hard for people to get something that want it. They're going to be frustrated. And, you know, there's a lot of people that 
love comics, love these creators, love these, you know, um, uh, the creative people behind Bad Idea and want them and are frustrated. And I've shared this with you. Like, I, I finally unfollowed Bad Idea on Twitter. I still follow, like, you know, creators and Dinesh and stuff like that, but it annoys the hell out of me how they handle it, how they approach it. Like they're flippant about how hard it is to get their books. Like it's, it's no big deal when, if they just recognized the, the way you should with customer service. Yeah. It's hard to get like, you know, we apologize that it's hard to get, but this is how we're doing it. And you, you just, you know, they can still be like, take it or leave it. But by ignoring the way people feel and acting like it's not there, that's why everybody's so frustrated. Like, you can tell me, like, hey, it's not going to be any easier to get these, but I understand, like, why you're frustrated. And then I have to get over being frustrated. Or, like, I can still be frustrated. But, like, I understand that you understand. Like, I feel seen. I feel I feel like my feelings matter. And th- mm-hmm. that's important, like, not just with customer service, but just with treating people like people. That's why everybody's getting so frustrated is, like, there's not a comic shop in my state that carries these books. So... And you know I don't care about the button thing. But if I cared about the button thing and I see people posting on Twitter about getting it and then I make a comment like, oh, man, I can't do that. I wish I could. And then I just get a, a you know, comment back. And it's not that I've seen this specifically, but this is kind of an indicative. It, you know, if I get a comment back like, well, you know, go drive two states away to get it or something like that. Like, that's kind of how they approach it. Like, we'll just, just do it. And to people that can't and are frustrated, they just kind of blow them off or ignore it. Or I saw somebody, um, they wanted to, they, you know, they had some kind of giveaway contest thing and it's take, take a picture of yourself with your copy of whatever the new comic is. And this guy had ordered it online. So he took a picture of himself with like his order and the response from, you know, whoever's handling their, their, their Twitter account, which is like, I don't know if this counts. And that, that pissed me off. But why? But it counted, right? It doesn't matter. But, it's but the it, attitude. I, it it might have counted, but but their response to start with is like, hey, your effort doesn't really matter to me. I, I, this I, doesn't really count. Like, I don't care if it counted in the long run. Like, that approach, you have somebody reaching out that is a customer that cares. Don't be flippant. Be like, hey, we appreciate that. Yes, that counts. Like, be upfront with it mattering. It, it's this... This like laid back attitude that that uh, they have that is frustrating because with the people that care and are putting an effort, then to feel like they're just like brushed aside because no 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 hey we're talking to the people that can actually go to their comic shop to get these so like you just shut up and wait for yours to come in like but you're that's, not a part of I this. don't know I, I I see that and I I see completely the opposite basically them in a a fun playful way acknowledging that it counts but having fun with it at the same time. It's not fun and playful if you're frustrated. If you're frustrated, that's I think insulting. you're the only one frustrated, if, Paul. <laughs> no, I'm not the only one frustrated. I well, see I people mean, left but, and right frustrated by uh, this. No, that's but the thing. You're not frustrated. In circumstances. Well, maybe that particular one. I'm the one that commented on it. But you know yeah. what? There's other people that just said, you know, screw bad idea. I'm not doing this because of this. And I see people saying that all the time. People that, like, love comics and, like, want to support stuff. They're fed up with with it and i don't like seeing that either so like i feel like sort of caught in the middle like i care and i don't want to bash but i see all these people that i know and respect bashing them because (laughs) they're frustrated and vice versa okay but it's like you know if you go if you go to a, a fast food place and something's wrong and the service takes forever they're understaffed whatever and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting 
and then finally your order comes up and like everybody working there like acts like nothing's wrong and then when you go up to get your order you get attitude about like asking for ketchup or something you leave with a really bad experience right doesn't matter that there was a reason behind it that they couldn't help and this is a stressful situation for them if they would have approached that differently and just been like hey sorry for the wait we're having a rough day whatever you can leave feeling good about the experience instead of bad even though it was the same exact experience little nuances of attitude make a big difference and when somebody is frustrated about i'm trying so hard to get these books i want to be involved in stuff and then when they're like hey here's me trying and you're like that doesn't count but they weren't like that but that's not what they said though right it's like i think they i i don't know this <laughs> i don't know what to say about this i could, i just don't see it i don't see it like i feel like they've said all along this is what we are like we're making small books that are going to be hard to get that's just what we're doing and like and then they just kind of lean into that and i i don't know i just i don't see it i i feel like the negative reactions are on us as the customer not not their fault that's mm. i guess not necessarily you felt very negative when you couldn't get hero trade i yeah well i was actually just about to bring that up I yeah. did feel very negative, but then I realized, well, that's on me, not on them, because th- they're not making this product as something that is intended to go out to their readers. They're making this as a basically a marketing mechanism to promote their books, right? So I, I'm not the audience for that, and I'm going to get to read it anyway. I've read it now because I, I have it. It's in ENIAC 3. So, yeah, I was very frustrated until I realized, oh, I get, okay, this this isn't for me, right? It's that it was it was on me that negative feeling, not mm-hmm. on them. And you had that reaction with a thing that was the most extreme example of something that's hard to get. Mm-hmm. So when it's somebody with something that should be the easiest to get, and they're going through the effort to get it, there's more room to be frustrated there, and more right to be frustrated there. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I guess, well, yeah, there's definitely more room to be frustrated. I don't know if there's the right to be frustrated, though. That's where I think I take exception. And that's where it's kind of a fine line thing. Uh huh. The I don't think there's any reason to be frustrated with. Hey, I have to go out of my way to get these books. You're making that choice to do it, or you're not. That's fine. It's the kind of casual attitude towards people's frustration that bothers me. Like when, when, you know, when you're the, the company selling this stuff, you don't have to, like, if somebody's like, you know, I'm pissed off that I can't get this at my local comic shop. You don't have to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, (laughs) cower to them. But there's a big difference between, you know, that and just saying like, hey, we understand your frustration. This is our distribution method. Like, here's the things that you can do. But their approach is often just like flipping and blowing it off. And, I mean, they're probably frustrated with it, too, but they also made these choices, and they're the ones in, in this customer service business. And I've worked in customer service for 17 years. Well, longer. I've worked in this jo- in the job I'm in for 17 years. So, like, I understand a lot about, you know, how you have to approach these things. Whether the customer is right or wrong, there's ways to recognize people, even if they're wrong, and make them matter. And I feel like bad idea often not they're not being like egregiously the opposite way, but I think that they they continue to 
allow the problem to stoke by just not being a, a little bit more, um, you know, kind in how they treat the people that are frustrated, you know? But like I said, that, that's just like one aspect. And <laughs> it's um, funny because I, I, I was talking about how the, the distribution to me is the least interesting thing to talk about here. Yeah. And, and that's all we've talked about now. <laughs> And I like I don't yeah. want to get hung up on this, but I'm like I think the reason that keeps on being the conversation is because of what I just said. I think that they they need to think about how they talk to people a little bit more when somebody's frustrated. Like you don't have to like tiptoe around everybody, but when somebody's frustrated, if you want them to be a fan, talk to them like you'd want to. You know, if you were frustrated, uh, you know, it's just like I mean, we're both married. If if our wife is frustrated about something, we don't like flippantly brush them off. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong; it's their feeling, so we care, right? So you put that effort into people that matter. And if if you're a company that's trying to sell to fans, like you got to put a little bit of that effort in. And if somebody like wants to keep on running with it, you can be like, "All right, see you later, dude." We had you know, like we did the nice part. And I just like I. I it's I it's rare that I get frustrated by this type of stuff, but this it, they've been frustrating me a bit. And but what I ultimately decided, I just I stopped following that Twitter account. Like I still follow Dinesh and other stuff, and I still see the bad idea stuff. But I just realize if if this bothers me, I can just remove the irritation because the ultimately the decision about whether I continue to get them or not is based on if I enjoy the books and yeah. if it's worth the cost. So yeah. like I took that irritation away, which I think everybody else can do that too. Yeah. My whole okay. point with that, that which could... we've talked about too long, is just that they could handle it differently to not keep on poking the frustrated fans, you know? Yeah, they could, but then that wouldn't be them, I think, is is part of it. Yeah, but, but you know, still, it's... they're making it the conversation, so it's on them. If it's still the conversation, they could do something to affect that. And I, I just think that if we're going to say, like, I'm tired of this being the conversation, like, they could make that different with a, with a little more effort in how they interact with people, but... On to the books now. <sighs> All right, finally. Finally. They're awful. I'm, I'm canceling. No. Um, so. <laughs> All right. Great talk. We, I, I texted you the other day and asked you which one was your favorite. You said ENIAC was your favorite. Yeah, ENIAC's the best um, so far. ENIAC I think, is fine. I think ENIAC is too much like so many other things that I've read. Like, not exactly by any means. Like, Matt Kent is a great writer. But it's, it's just a comic story. Like, and I mean, that's, we're reading comics. But, like, it's. I feel like I, I've read stories like this elsewhere plenty. Not saying that it's bad. Like, I'm still enjoying it. I'm looking forward to issue four. But even you said, like, issue four has to be banging for this to come out as being, like, a big thumbs up rather than a, eh, it was fine. Tankers, I thought, was really interesting and fun, but it also kind of depends on where it continues to go. The one that really stood out to me is Walesville x Rocks and Minerals. Like, you get... They, they basically took two different comics and put it into one because, you know, that's how it worked out for them. I don't think that was a bad idea. Walesville particularly, I, I really like the art. I like the tone of the story. And I just feel like both of those stories are very unique and different. And, like, I don't need everything that Bad Idea does to be like this, oh, we're, you know, totally different types of stories from what you read anywhere else. Like, obviously, they, they're trying to put out the stories that the creators want to create because that's where you get good stories, right? Um, but this is the first one that like actually felt special to me and not just like, okay, I'm doing my version of this thing. Well, all right. You, you marched down <laughs> all of them. So I'm going to, I guess I started the same. I think ENIAC is great because it's, um, well, so far it's, it's the most full story, uh, out of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, you, I, you mentioned that I said, like, this needs to end really great in order to land. And I think that it is. I, I said that, uh, I think after reading the second issue, I thought it was after the third, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I think it was after the second, I, where yeah. I said that, um, because I don't think it was too long ago that I actually sat down and read the third issue. The first issue, it does feel very straightforward spy thriller, whatever action story. I felt like after reading the first one, like, oh, okay, this is kind of weird. This doesn't seem to be anything particularly new or unique or anything like that. It just seems like it's riffing off of ideas that are already kind of out there in the world. Yeah, it kind of felt like, uh, like uh, not the same story, but like Unity, you know, that was Kent and kind of felt like that or... Not quite like Ninjack, but like still kind of like in that realm of things. It's like, okay. Spy espionage action kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. with that that valiant edge that's now the bad idea edge. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and the second issue is started to hint a little bit at there's more weird stuff going on, but it was still just within the confines of their investigating and going after this big threat. That's why I was saying, like, it's really going to matter how it ends because. I felt like if this ends up being just a typical spy action thriller where these agents have to go after the evil bad guy and in the end they win against the evil bad guy, I felt like it wouldn't be that satisfying. If like the end of the story ended up, oh, can we shut down ENIAC or not? And then they end up it, by you know perseverance and they just barely do it, they shut down ENIAC and save the world! That, to me, would be a pretty boring story, just in the sense that there wasn't much more to it other than just some espionage, action, thriller, whatever. There, it didn't, wouldn't have been really anything much more than that, I feel like. And that's what the story started out as. I think with the third issue, it really started to show, okay, there is something really weird going on here that we do not understand and that it is not clear to me what the final end game of this is going to be. But it is very clearly not that robot bad, human good, human fight robot win, save day type of thing. That's, yeah. It seems very clear that this is not what that story is. And that was my fear after like the first and second issue that that's what this story was going to be. That maybe this was just like... Matt Kent was like, you know, I've always just kind of wanted to tell a, a thriller uh, get, about fighting an AI, and mm. and and that's it. And um, but I don't think it's it's quite that. Um, and that kind of, I guess, that hints at one of my bigger thoughts about what bad idea is and is all about. It seems like all the stories are kind of like these creators saying, you know, I always want to tell, tell a story about blank. Yeah. And that, that's, what's had me excited about bad ideas is the creators that are working with them. And we know are coming are the ones that really got me excited about comics in a, a way that is probably why I'm still reading comics. Uh-huh. So, you know, when I got really into comics, I, um, like I had been reading some Batman, some X-Men and stuff, but I, I might've faded away if I had just stuck with that. And when I discovered Valiant and 
Ninja Turtles. Like, those were the two things. So Ninja Turtles was that, like, I'm an old-school Ninja Turtle fan. This is cool. I enjoy this. But Valiant was the one that was, this is exciting stuff, and this is different. And then at a certain point when the company started changing, when they were pursuing more of let's make movies instead of let's make really great comics, the comics, like, weren't delivering that same way. So, like, I'm like, all right, bad idea. That's what I want from them is is the creators, and they're doing the things that they want to do. Um, and Matt Kent's an interesting creator that way because, like, now we have two books by him released by Bad Idea. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the one that we just got, uh, Walesville X Rocks and Minerals, is actually two different stories, right? So, like, the, that wasn't like he intended those to go together. That's just how it ended up happening, right? Yeah. Um, so we got three different stories by Matt Kent. And they're all f- like very different, and I like that. Like that's what I w- that's what I want to see. I'm I'm more motivated by this last book, and it, it, like in retrospect down the road a little bit, I'll probably look back and it may not be that I think that that was the best book or it was my favorite book, but right now I'm most excited about it because it gives me the the hopes for what I was hoping for. Like this is actually going to be what it is. Is you know the you know people making their best creations of the things that they want to make, and any act like has been good, but it's not that. Like, I've had that from Matt Kent before. Like, maybe not that, you know, like you said, against an AI. But, like, that's a very, like, Matt Kent does those stories and does those stories. That's, like, that's his his niche. And then, like, he gets out of his niche with other stuff. But even mm-hmm. his niche, like, he's very good at it. With, with ENIAC, what makes me, and the third issue definitely has me feeling positive about it. Whereas the second issue is, like, this could end up being, like, just totally bland, like you were saying. You know, it needs to end well to not just be like, eh, that was fine. It can't end with just, uh, oh, I didn't see that coming. Because it, then it'll be like, oh, I had one surprise in four issues and nothing, you know, like, otherwise it was just four issues of pretty straightforward storytelling. The threads of complexity need to already be there because there's no time to develop them if there's only one more issue now and like we're Uh seeing all this complexity but i think that like with whatever happens we got to look back at all the issues and be like oh man look at all this stuff that was there right in front of us that we didn't see you know like that's what's good like that that would be the difference between just it's good and it's great is like what kind of complexity is in there if it feels like a story where matt kent's just you know like what we've read is literally he's just making it up as he goes and, you know, the complexity builds because he's continuing to create it, it'll just be okay. Whereas, like, you know, you look at what he did with Rye with Valiant, he had this vision years out. He didn't even get a barely touch on because, you know, stuff changed at Valiant. Yeah, sure. And it showed the whole book. There was so much complexity in it uh, and so much stuff that you could go back and be like, oh, man, this stuff was laid out here. And, you know, then, you know, later we, it made sense. So there's definitely the possibility with that with ENIAC, and I hope that it is there, because if it just gets to, like, however it ends, if there's not more complexity like that, it's either like, yes, we beat the bad guy, like you said, or no, the bad guy beat us, which is just as boring of a, uh, or not boring, but, you know, like, just as simple as a story ending. You know, like, oh, no, the bad guy won. It, there has to be more than that, because right now, ENIAC is this power that is, like, an unbeatable power. So if it just ends with we lost to the unbeatable power or we beat the unbeatable power because of our perseverance, you know, not so exciting of an ending. So there's gotta be something more. And I, I expect that from Kent. That really nails what I was thinking is that based on the first issue and most of the second issue, that seems like what the story is. It, 
Yeah. You know, like the story that's set up is that the, uh, here's this unbeatable force and we need to just persevere against it and then we will win. But I always kind of, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like that's not the type of stories that Matt Kent tells. And so I always kind of, it, it's weird when you bring that, what you know about a creator into uh, the book to say, well, it can't be about this because this creator doesn't write these type of things typically. That's kind of a weird way to analyze a book, I think. But it's I, in this case, it seems valid to me. And yeah. but I think it's also playing out that that's that's the case. So I I think if I had all the next bad idea books in front of me, any act number four is the first one I would pick up. That's. I well, yeah, it's the fourth one. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the finale. I remember uh, when sure, um, but yeah, when the it's... Valiant was coming out, and I got issue number four of the Valiant. That's one of the rare times that I literally got in my vehicle and sat and read the comic immediately. Because mm, cool. I loved mm-hmm. that series, loved the creators, and it was the it was the fourth one. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, any act number four, I'm very excited about that. Um, as as much as I'm excited about comics right now, I guess. Um, so what do you think about Tankers? One last thought on any act before we move on to Tankers. Um, do you have? I have. I, I'm going to throw a crazy theory out there for the ending. Um, okay. Do you have any kind of crazy theory of, of what you think the end is going to be? Like, sure. What, okay. What, what's your crazy theory? My crazy theory is that ENIAC is trying to mate with a human female. Ah, interesting. My crazy theory is that ENIAC, this whole time we think it's an AI, there's actually a person behind it the whole time. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think, like, the ending has to be something like that, that when we get hit with it, we're like, holy crap, you know? Mm-hmm. But I actually like your idea. Like, the, the ending is that ENIAC wins, but it's not just that. It's that there's all these, like, little baby ENIAC robot human hybrids running around. Yeah, well, and, and it kind of fits with... He seems to have a thing with women. You know, he had those, like, Russian women cult. Yeah, and is, is it a thing with women, or is it a thing with uh, empowering the downtrodden to manipulate them to serve him? It, I don't know, right? So but, it could go it, that way. It, it, there's a lot of interesting ways this can end, and like I'm actually more excited about it, just like throwing out some theories right there. Yeah, so I, I think that that's my number one theory, is that it's going to be something like that, right? That he's he's trying to... I don't know. It just it seems like he has an attachment to women for some reason. This ENIAC. Yeah. It's probably because of his loser Ned who programmed him who couldn't get a date and like somehow <laughs> programmed that into him or something. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> but Um Yeah. Alright, so uh Tankers. Uh Tankers is fun. That's kind of what I would want from Tankers. I hope it continues to be fun and doesn't get uh too serious because a lot of times books like this uh, the first issue is like, look at all this wild stuff. And it's like, okay, now we got to actually tell a story. So it's going to get kind of boring because I only thought about the wild stuff when I came up with this idea. Uh, like a lot of movies do that. Like it'll be like, oh, this movie's so awesome. And then like the middle of the movies is, okay, this is tedious. What happened to the awesomeness? And then like the end of the movie is like, all right, it's awesome again. So I hope Tankers just keeps on being outlandish awesomeness uh, and doesn't try to tell a serious story. Yeah, the way I put it is that tankers is telling a not serious story but as if it were a serious story like it's a absurd ridiculous premise you know that we're gonna go back in time and stop the asteroid from hitting earth so that we have a lot more fossil fuels and like (laughs) that's a 
worst idea ever. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's like a world altering, changing, ending idea to do that. And also, it's like, hilarious because it's like it's also showing the greed of major corporations. So like you're also like making a political statement with this ridiculous story without calling it, without you know slapping people in the face with it. <laughs> also, the tunnel vision of it that like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have invented time travel, and this is what you come up with to do with it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you couldn't, like, just make yeah. billions off of other technology that you made? Yeah, or or just, like, go back in time and put some money in the stock market in, in like, 1930 or something <laughs> and, and be a trillionaire now. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very, very uh, funny, but it's it's absurd, right? It's It's so absurd and over the top everything about it but they're taking it seriously and it's told as if it's a serious story and that's what i like about it yeah. is that it's just it's this not the the interplay between nonsense of a situation but playing it totally straight and serious i think is a lot of fun yeah so th- i think there's three aspects to it and you just hit two of them one ridiculous premise two treating that ridiculous premise seriously because i think if you're going to tell a story you got to tell the story even if it's a ridiculous one and not you know just throw it all out as you go which um like so that that's what we got so far but the the most basic aspect of this comic is a ridiculous action right like killing uh dinosaurs with mech suits mm-hmm. like so that's an aspect of this and th- this is where like in telling the series part of the story as long as they don't lose sight of that i think it stays good it's when you okay the only reason people are buying this comic isn't because they want a serious story about this ridiculous premise. I get like I didn't know what the premise was until I read the the comic because I bought the comic because of killing dinosaurs with mech suits. So I think it, you got to stay in that like third aspect of like this is the ridiculous world we're in. We're doing this. If you get off of that, that's where you get that drag in the middle. Yeah. A parallel. The Deadpool movie starts out with awesome ridiculous violence you know stupid humor the middle of the movie when it gets serious kind of drags you just want to get to the end and get the next section of ridiculous violence and like if they the middle of the movie like i think deadpool did a better job of some movies with it but like uh when you get away from what people are there to see then you kind of get this tonal shift that can you know kind of disrupt it so uh but i like I enjoyed the heck out of the first issue of Tankers. Yeah, me too. I just, it was tons of fun. And yeah, I think you, you nailed it. This idea of like mechas fighting dinosaurs. It's kind of like adding absurdity to absurdity because mm-hmm. wh- why wouldn't you just bring like Abrams tanks or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> to and go then with the, you? like the, the false seriousness of everybody, like you don't get to make your nickname. You earn a nickname. And you uh, know? yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. That's the playing is straight. And, yeah. Yeah. Like all these details that are like super cliche action movie details and they, they take them and it, but they, they treat them seriously to the extent that it makes them more ridiculous. Like there's just, there's a lot of layers of stuff like that, that this is just kind of absurd comic mm-hmm. gives you a lot to enjoy. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's a thumbs up for me on it. So Hank Howard, pizza detective. That was uh, another one. That, there's two stories in it. It's that and Save Now. Both of them kind of feel like pilot episodes in a way. Yeah. I think the whole like approach they did, a dollar comic, so it's like it's cheap. 
Um, unless you have to, you know, order it and spend six dollars on it because you have shipping. to pay five bucks for shipping. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but so I mean, still dollar comic, so it's cheap. Two new stories, one of them you weren't even expecting. The Hank Howard story is just like silly fun, basically. Yeah. And then the the backup story, Save Now, was a much more bigger and more interesting concept. Who wrote Save Now? It was Matt Kent, I think. Was it? Okay. And who Pretty wrote sure. Hank Howard? That was uh, Venditti. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I, I don't know why I didn't remember either of those things. Yeah, so I mean, like, I think that the whole, like, that that's another example of, as far as their approach to how they're doing stuff, I think it's interesting that they're doing stuff like this. And that was another one where a lot of people got pissy about it. But they made it very clear. Like, you know, they, they you know, this is where, like, it, aside from what I said before, it's all about approach. But they, they made it clear. This is going to be on sale for 24 hours. And mm-hmm. the comic shops, because I saw a lot of people retweeting different stuff. The comic shops that handled it well, handled it well. And it wasn't that hard. There was one comic shop that um, that let all their subscribers know that, they would be charging them for that comic on the day of release because that's what they're obligated to do, and then they could pick it up whenever. And they let them know things like, okay, if you want this comic, make sure you come in for it today or set up the purchase today so it's purchased. And the the comic shops that are in tune with what Bad Idea is doing, I think we're able to handle it fine. And uh, the comic shops that didn't handle it well, like... I don't know, maybe they're just not able to actually focus in on it as much. I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons behind why anybody does whatever. But ultimately, like, if they didn't handle it well, that's that's on the, the comic shop to, you know, like, if, if this matters to their customers, like, they should be able to engage that better. And, like, you know, everybody's complaint with bad ideas as far as the dis- distribution is they're making it harder on comic shops or harder on fans. They, they've been upfront about that the whole time. So, yeah. you know, like, a com- if a comic shop can't, engage with their their client base well enough they probably shouldn't have signed up to to be a bad idea shop you know yeah that's what's what's really interesting if we're gonna we seem to keep dipping our toes in this distribution (laughs) well this one forces you to that's the thing they like they keep on forcing the conversation in one way or another and i think that this hank howard thing was was interesting and and fun and i saw people that didn't have a way set up to do it like a um I don't know if you follow them on Twitter, but Valiant Watch. Sure. Mm-hmm. They, uh, like, I, I don't remember how I started engaging with them, but, like, he's a cool guy, and, like, I've actually sold him comics and stuff like that. We've kind of become Twitter friends. But he didn't have it set up to get it, and I told him about Third Eye Comics. He sent them a message that day and got it, got got the deal done, you know? Yeah. So Simple. it's like it's everything's possible, but it's like, you know, you got to put the effort in. And I think that, um, I think this was a fun way of doing something different. And uh, I believe that they just like release put something out there that they're going to be doing a, a not first issue release of this and another like one day sale. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it, um, I might be remembering wrong because I've had a lot of distractions lately. So like, I know that they announced that not first printing for Walesville. I saw that. I'm pretty sure yeah, I saw yeah. something about Hank Howard, but I also I could be screwing something up. So well, I know that they were going to put it on sale for a, another day. A, okay, maybe a, that's a just what shops. it is then. Yeah. yeah, I think that they they had a like a second day that they were going to make it available at. I don't think it was every shop. I think it was just certain shops. Okay. W- what's interesting, I feel like, is that bad idea is forcing comic book stores to be good at sales and marketing. Stores that aren't good at sales and marketing, because I think 
we can say like there's a lot of comic book shops that aren't good at sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. They're going to suffer with this like because they yeah. the books require a certain amount of sales and marketing to 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 handle properly. Yeah. And the shops that just that's not what they do. They just order the comics and sell a lot of Batman. This probably aren't as well equipped to to handle this. Anyway, uh, the, but to talk about like the actual contents of the book, it feels like it was kind of two ideas. And this is again like bad idea. Seems like this. Hey, I have an idea. I want to do. I want to try this. And it's these seem like these are ideas that don't fit anywhere else. Like yeah. it, it seems like Rob Venditti said. Well, I I, I kind of had this idea about like a, a detective like this hard-boiled detective, but he ends up having to investigate really stupid things. <laughs> and so I, I kind of just want to write a story about that. And so he ends up being a pizza detective. And it's just a short little story about a pizza detective. And it seems like Matt Kint's like, oh, I have this idea of this power, and I don't really know what the whole story is, but I just want to tell this little vignette of a, a story and that's what save now is. And so it seems like it's these kind of just like pilot ideas that don't necessarily have a home and bad ideas giving them a home. And that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean that that's what I wanted out of bad idea because I, you know, I've started school now. I have a lot more on my plate. I don't have time to to chase every, you know, everything. Like it's been a long time since I subscribed to a lot of comics or anything like that, but I certainly now can't and wouldn't want to do that. So bad idea is great because it's these these smaller things that are easier to like give mental space for as long as they need. You know, mm -hmm. even like four issues of ENIAC. Okay, well I can read them as they come out and I can go back and read all four of them and that's not prohibitive. You know, a lot of the other things are smaller. So it gives me something to look forward to doing and it's it's gonna be interesting and different. And like that's a lot of what I need. Like I don't want to read a bunch of Batman and like be reading the the you know the the same thing and even though it's something I like it's I mean like even Ninja Turtles when I get in the mood I go on Comixology and I buy all the issues I'm missing and I read through them uh, because I know I'm buying the hardcovers eventually so I don't need I don't want the floppies you know mm -hmm. um, now that I've uh, sold my X-Men collection, which I'm still in the progress with. I don't think I've actually mentioned that on the podcast. So, hey, everybody listening, I had to sell my X-Men collection to pay for school stuff, so I no longer collect comics. As All I right. said, uh, I wouldn't do. So, a caveat with that, just like I said, I'm not going to pursue collecting, so I'm not going to, again, go like, oh, I want to collect this, and then go out and look for the issues. But, I still have a short box full of the Usagi Yojimbo I'm getting, because that's like the, the one comic I've been subscribing to for a while. Bad idea comics are going in there. I got a few other odds and ends of things that, like, I don't want to just get rid of arbitrarily. But then, like, I'm still working on selling off all my X-Men books, but I was able to pay for a computer for school. I was able to pay for repairs on my truck and a few other things that I needed, plus have some fun. So, you know, no regrets. I said if I did that, that's where I was going to be, and I'm still going to end up reading all the X-Men, but I'll do it by getting a, a Marvel Unlimited membership at some point, you know? Yeah, excellent. Uh, but yeah, so like bad idea like really suits me right now. Like I, I if I'm gonna be dedicated to something, I want it to be fresh, different ideas, not too much content. Like I sure as hell don't want to like subscribe to where I'm getting a box of twenty comics a week. I can't keep up with that, and you know nothing, none of it would interest me enough. But yeah, so like bad idea is just like right where I want to be. And other aspects I love about bad idea, 
the attention to detail, the quality of the covers, uh, the extra artwork, like on the back of the covers, um, even the like little like quirky things in the in in is it indicia or indicia? How do you say that? Indicia. Indicia. Okay. The like the the little quirky comments in there, like they're just fun. Silly, like that's a fun silly detail. But, like the the art on the back, that's like the you know just kind of crazy outrageous art most of the time. Like that's that's a fun detail to have in there. So like yeah. when you're reading the comics, like I can right now, like we just talked about three issues of Eniac, Tinkers, Hank Howard, and Walesville. That's all the comics we got right now, right? Yeah. So six comics. I can remember the six comics. I can remember who wrote them. I can remember who did the art. Um, I can remember the story. I don't remember what art was on the back of all of those. So now I, that's another way I can go through and enjoy what I have is go through, pull those comics out, and look at those details again, you know? I love those extra details. We talked about that with the, you know, action figures earlier with CD artwork. The, those extra details, the quality in the product makes a big difference in how you continue to engage with it. And, you know, like DC, Marvel, whoever, like, you know, you publish comics, like kind of the, the regular run of the mill way, you know, thin paper kind of, you know, they're publishing to keep the cost down. So they make the best profit, whatever. Like, I mean, that's, that's fine. And it is, it's, it's thing. But all like also like after you read those comics, like how much do they continue to matter? Like if it's a story you like, they do. But like I don't know, like it, it doesn't hit the same way. Like you can't buy uh, an issue of you know X Men off the newsstand or you know the comic shop, whatever, and then read it and be like, oh, that was a good read, and then sell it for even close to what you just paid for it, unless <laughs> it's you know a speculator book. Yeah. And the, you know, the bad idea books, like there's more to hold on to. So like, I might miss that and be like, uh, yeah, I, I want to get a copy of this book because I want to be able to, you know, feel the glossy cover or look at that extra artwork and stuff like that. So I just feel like they're, they're, they've, those added in details make a difference to me. Yeah. I like it all. I'm, yeah. I'm very much, uh, excited about it. Uh, I, I kind of want to wrap this up cause I need to get going soon. We'll have to talk about Walesville. Um, another time. Yeah, I actually just read that this morning too. So, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> it'll be good to let it let <laughs> it stew a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I think that, like, just like I said earlier, to me that that was the best indicator that Bad Idea is probably gonna be what I wanted it to be, and give that like diversity of of you know creation in its projects. So, yeah, totally. All right, well, let's wrap this up then. It's been good talking to you. Absolutely, yes. I, I like that we butted heads a little bit about the distribution thing. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, we don't usually argue because, I mean, I usually you're not wrong. Well, usually you're not just, like, uh, emotional about comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I It's it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I like this is because we record in the morning. We're not, like, recording drunk at night or something like that. You know? <laughs> oh, we would have been a bigger fight if we were drunk way. at night. <laughs> I'll tell you. You son these, of a bitch. These, All stupid, right. these pieces of paper with words printed on them. It's his yeah. comic books, bro. I'm, oh, you know, little last side note, I'm looking forward to getting some of the creators that we haven't seen yet, like Josh Dysart. Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. wait to see what Josh Dysart Let alone does. the artists. Like, I, I'm thinking about the writers I want to see, but, like, um, some of the artists that I, I love that, you know, from Valiant that I'm not getting anything else from. Like, Louis LaRosa's done a little bit of cover work, I think. Um, like, it's not all sticking in my brain real well, but, like, but I, I, that's a big part of it. supposed to do that Megalith book. Yeah, yeah, that's so, it. I knew that yeah. there was some, Yeah, so I'm excited about all that stuff, because, I mean, that 
that's why I wanted to go with bad ideas so I could see these these guys that I loved with Valiant and then, you know, see them doing what I loved them doing before. Yeah, doing stuff that isn't tied to anything else and is just whatever they want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another 99th episode. Find more wherever you found this one. Unless you found it in the trash, then find us somewhere better. (laughs) All right, Paul. Talk to you again later. Later. Later.